Welcome, everybody. You're listening to the Benjamin R. Lewick Leadership Podcast, where we believe everyone deserves exceptional leadership. Benjamin brings more than 25 years of leadership and team development experience to the table as he sits down to chat with other seasoned industry leaders and talk through real workplace issues. In each episode, Benjamin identifies action steps that you can start using right away as a leader to address the things that affect personnel, productivity, and profitability. Join us in today's episode as we explore practical and tactical ways that you can create a workplace environment that increases revenue, productivity, and motivation while decreasing stress and personnel churn. Are you ready? Exceptional leadership starts in three, two, one. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. This is Benjamin, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. Before we dive into the conversation with my guest today, I want to remind you to be sure and stick around to the end of the episode. I'll be doing a quick recap of the key takeaways from today's conversation for you and wrapping up everything with a concise summary. I'm really excited about the content we're sharing with you today, so let's get this conversation started. I have got a dynamic guest for you today, everybody. You are not going to want to miss this. Dr. Tamara Beckford is an emergency medicine physician, international speaker, and the CEO of Your Caring Docs, where she helps companies reduce employee burnout through self-care workshops. She hosts the Dr. Tamara Beckford Show, where she interviews physicians about self-care, wellness, and their activities inside and outside clinical medicine. To date, she's interviewed 170 physicians around the world. Globally, the podcast named after the show ranks in the top 5% of podcasts. Dr. Beckford's expertise in self-care has led to her being featured on over 60 podcasts and presenting on the importance of wellness on various platforms, including Power to Fly, Centerpoint Energy, Scale Your Business Summit, the Grants Professionals Association, Physician Coach Support, 40 Acre Conference, and the Blaze Virtual Summit. She is also a success mentor at Entre MD Business School, where she is mentoring more than 70 physicians every week, helping them build six and seven figure businesses. In 2022, her content was viewed more than a million times on social media, and she co-authored two best-selling books, Made for More and Thriving After Burnout. As a result of her work, the New Jersey Academy of Sciences recognized Dr. Beckford as a COVID-19 hero for her work during the pandemic. Dr. Beckford, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so excited to chat with you. Thank you so much for having me. I am looking forward to pouring into your wonderful audience today. I got to ask, as an emergency medicine doctor, how did you, what spurred that leap into consulting the business sector and, and into the, the current ventures? You've got so many things going on right now. Was it a gradual thing or was it, was it something singular that just kind of spurred that transition? Great question. Um, I think when I look back, I would say it was, although I'm doing a lot and I wasn't at the time, I was really just doing medicine and living life, but there was a void that I felt. And a lot of people will probably look and wonder, like, wait a minute, but you are a doctor. Like, why would there be a void? You've worked so hard to get to that point in life. And, um, you know, I and a, a lot of uh, my colleagues, we recognized, although we've gotten to achieve one of our goals in life, you realize that you can have an impact on so many more people outside of clinical medicine. And that's what spurred me to start looking for other ways to help. Now, the pandemic came along during that particular time. And I recognized during the pandemic that I was faring better than my colleagues. And, you know, as you mentioned, I'm an emergency medicine doctor. So I am like truly frontline, <laughs> you know, everything once the 
EMS gets it, like I'm next. And uh, the anxiety level soared, you know, a lot of mindset um, broke down during the pandemic, but mine was able to stay steady and strong. And as a matter of fact, I started to thrive more. And I looked within and wondered, why am I thriving more than my colleagues and those who were around me? And I recognized it's because of the self-care, what I started to pour inward to myself ended up building me up. And with that, and as most people, once you recognize something that you're good at, you don't want to hold it to yourself. You want to now to use it to help others. And that's when I decided to venture into helping others with the same skill set that I was able to use on myself to help others to help them through stress and especially within organizations right now. So that's what brought this on. That is an amazing, an amazing story, amazing transition. Thank you for all of your work as a first responder, as that person there to take care of people in those critical moments in life, being prior mm-hmm. service military and having a bunch of friends who are in the police force as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I am always so grateful for the service and the sacrifice that first responders make to be able to provide those kind of services and those kind of benefits for our society. And thank you for your service too. I appreciate that. It was an honor. So here's a question for you then. Coming from an emergency medicine background, obviously you have an entire team of people that you work with as part of the intake and the triage and the things that you do in that specific niche. Absolutely. Has there been a paradigm shift coming from that and the way that you think about leadership and leading teams to what you currently do now in consulting and and hosting these workshops and writing books and podcasts and shows and all these other things you do to empower other leaders? Well, there there's a little bit of a shift, but it, the shift really correlates to the mind and how you translate what you're doing in one area to the other area. Now, within um, both, you have to be able to be dynamic in your mind and recognize that situations are always dynamic and changing, right? So in the emergency room, um, we are team-based, as you mentioned. You recognize that you do have a team leader, but the team is still working together as one. And a great example of that would be during a code. Like, you know, when you hear about the code blue and CPR is being administered, we all need to work as one. Now, I, of course, am leading the team as a physician, as an ER doctor. I'm leading the team. I'm doing the um, protecting the airway, which means that I might intubate someone um, during that period. I'm calling out meds, but I'm not the only one, right? So if I am not calling out a medication because I'm intubating, it doesn't mean that a medication is not being pulled and administered. Why? Because the team recognized their dynamic in helping and working together. So I might be um, working on one end, but the nurses are still working and pulling the medication. Someone is still documenting. Someone is doing chest compression. Someone is getting an IV. Someone is getting, you know, cutting the clothes off so we have more access to do other things. And, you know, we still have a respiratory team that's helping with the airway and bagging while I'm preparing. So we're all working as one. Now, when we leave that um, area and you're moving on to, like, say you have in the, the corporate sector, right? Rest assured, hopefully no one is having to do what I just did and I just described (laughs) because I'm trained to do that. So I don't panic in that situation. It just goes into 
dare I say, military mode, just working according to plan. But when you're now in a dynamic in um, like an office setting, you know, you still have a team. Now, what is the goal? The goal should be similar to those similar to um, what I just mentioned in the ER Unicode. We're working as one to fulfill the goal. My goal in the emergency room is to give that person optimal care and to resuscitate them, right? Their heart's not beating. I need to get that heart beating back. Now, the goal in the organization is as one, to fulfill the mission of that organization. So now you still have the team leaders and you will still have managers and, you know, it goes down the line. But Everyone still has to buy in to that goal, right? So I'm resuscitating in the ER, but also maintaining the mission of the goal in the corporate setting. Now, what are some ways to do that, right? Yeah, yeah. no, you're not doing chest compression. What is the corporate chest compression version <laughs> Absolutely. of that goal? Is to tap into each of the individuals within the organization as best as you can. Now, if you have a large organization, is it possible for the CEO to be able to tap into everyone? No, but that's why you have your teams, right? So you have the team meeting, you have the team goal. So during the meeting, once you're having your, your um, managers, and the meeting doesn't have to be the set meeting, right? Your managers are walking down the hall. I can just stop and say, hey, Ben, how's it going? More than likely, you're going to say, it's good. I'm okay. Yep. But then why don't I go another <laughs> step further and said, hey, you know, I see that you're doing that podcast and you're working and really trying to bring light to, you know, the stressors that people have at work and coming up with some great ideas to help them. How is that part of you going? And then, I mean, I'm pretty sure at that point, you're going to open up and say, well, you know, I've had some amazing guests like Dr. Beckford. And I say, thank you, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) But I've had some amazing guests who have been given some great ideas. And, you know, I'm really liking that part. Now that manager has touched on a two point touch system, right? They got to find out how you are and they've touched into something that's personal to you. So now how likely are you to talk to that manager and to now give how you truly feel on certain situations when you feel comfortable enough that they ask and know about you as a person, not just Ben, the worker. Absolutely. Well, I mean, looking at it from that lens, it's really that that personal touch point. You know, I mean, it's, it's kind of the cliche saying people don't care what you know until they know that you care. You know, we've heard that over and over and it's really demonstrating that like, hey, I care about you as a person. You know, I'm taking proactive steps to connect with you and to build a Mm -hmm. relationship and to foster trust and communication and collaboration and to establish these open lines of feedback and and communication Mm -hmm. so that good, bad or indifferent, you feel comfortable coming to me Mm -hmm. or you feel comfortable initiating a conversation if you need to discuss something or if you want to celebrate a win with me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, even with celebrating too, right? Something great happened with the team, a team member. It'll be great for others to know. And, you know, it's not just in the dynamic of the, the work setting, you know, how about, and, and that's, of course, um, in relation to that person's personality. If they don't want others to know, you can tell them Direct, like, wow, you know, I'm so proud. I saw that you won that particular award. You know, do you mind if I tell the rest of the team? If it's like, no, then, you know, no, but you've acknowledged them. 
And like you said, you know, they say, wow, well, you actually care about what I'm doing outside of the job. So you don't just look at me as just another worker bee. You're looking at me as a human, as a person who so happened to work along with you. Absolutely. In the military, uh, one of the things we talked about, this this thought came up to me as you were talking about uh, having your team and if somebody codes and how you respond to that, mm-hmm. really emphasizing this whole collaborative response, a collaborative focus mm-hmm. on a singular state. In the military, one of the things we are taught as leaders is you have to be able to to provide clear intent. You have Mm -hmm. to be able to articulate an end state so that people can make decisions and take disciplined initiative in the absence of orders, in the absence of you specifically explicitly telling them, hey, do A, then B, then C. Well, they know as a team, as a group, hey, this is where we're heading and this is what we need to be able to accomplish when we get there, mm-hmm. you know, taking that into this business setting, into op- into the entrepreneur setting and into corporate America and things like this, drawing that same parallel, being able not only to clearly articulate, hey, team, this is the mission. This is what we're doing as a group, as an organization, but then being able to touch people directly and be like, hey, how are you doing with your piece of the mission? Absolutely. Are you Are you thoroughly resourced? Are you being supported? Mm-hmm. Could you take on more responsibility? Do you need somebody to take something off your plate? Do you see things that we haven't seen yet to where we need to adjust our course in going from point A to point B, really emphasizing that collaborative approach to mission completion? Absolutely. And, you know, that collaborative approach can get you so much farther. I love one of the questions that you pointed out too. Are you seeing something that we're not seeing? Because so often someone on the ground is has a different vantage point than someone in the air, right? That's what we talk about, the um, seeing the forest from the trees there's so much difference so when you can get that input now rest assured yes i know some might argue too much input is not good but you as a leader can filter what's important versus not important but you can't make decisions without having information right so gathering that info and having that respect to find out. Now, when I think about even like the leadership, the ladder, I know a lot of times um, those who get a lot of credit are those closer to the top, right? And those, of course, (laughs) (laughs) but those, those who are closer to the bottom rungs of the ladder, they see things from a different perspective. If there's a reason why um, the coal miners had the canary, right? The canary can detect the carbon monoxide. So for those who are at the the bottom of the rung, they can see the changes that are occurring faster. So you at the top or the middle, it's imperative for you to talk to that person on the ground to find out, as you said, is there something that you're seeing that we should be aware of? Because by the time it gets to the top, it has caused a lot of chaos. So that's, uh, you know, the dynamic and the importance of everyone on the team being very um, important as a member, but you also articulating it to them so that they recognize that they are valuable, (laughs) just as valuable as those at the top. Absolutely. I've got to ask, I didn't forget about something you said earlier. I want to kind of circle back to it. When Mm -hmm. you first kind of opened up, you were talking about how as we were going through the pandemic, you looked around and you had this moment of self-realization where you discovered that you were actually thriving when a lot of your peers were dealing with burnout. And we're mm-hmm. dealing with the the stress and the anxiety and the the psychological stressors of everything that was going on during that time. Mm-hmm. I've got to ask, what does that look like 
for you? How did you, how did you come to that realization? Was it just kind of like, Hey, I look in the mirror one day and I realized, or was it more kind of progressive as you started to notice things and ask yourself certain questions? It was progressive. It was progressive. I mean, you know, the pandemic really, I think now a lot of people are reflecting now that we're going on year three and uh, they're reflecting and this, remember everyone really thought it was two weeks. <laughs> oh, we're going to just be closed for two weeks and then everything will be back to the norm. That's but the politicians told us. <laughs> <laughs> right. That was the mindset. And, you know, I, I even forgot about that until recently talking to another colleague, but as time progressed during 2020, you know, March, then we got to June. One of the things that I noticed, um, and I live, I'm, you know, in Houston, Texas. So I'm in Texas. So a lot of the wave came down to us by June. So in March, it was in New York. And then, you know, you can just kind of see it moving down to the Southern um, states. So by June, it really hit us. What happened between March and June, there were a lot of anxiety. You know, we were very prepared for the onslaught of people that were just going to come in. And as the opposite happened, they stayed home during that part, but they all came in in June when all our resources had been gone. So all the travel nurses, most of them left. The hospital went back to its normal routine. So we had like an onslaught of people during the time when things changed. My colleagues had gotten to the point where every day they were checking, 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 you know, how many new cases today? How many new cases? And I just saw their anxiety levels going higher, higher and higher. And then I, on the other hand, I I didn't have to check every day. I knew we were going to get new cases. We can handle it the way once it came in, we just prepared ourselves. You know, at this point, we knew what PPEs, rest assured, yeah, you know, there was still the argument of what's the policies kept changing every day, but we knew you had to have on PPEs, you know, so we weren't just going to go into a room without it. You knew that if someone had a certain, um, came in with certain symptoms, you just worked according to it. Um, so I put myself in the mindset of I'm going to do the best I can with the info I have and prepare and treat accordingly. The external factors and the external noise, I did not let it enter me, right? That's one thing that I did. The second is that I formed a with a group of others who were doing things that satisfied their minds. And it's not as much as a distraction, but it's a way to just keep yourself grounded. So if I were around others that kept um, talking about how anxious they are, we're all going to die, we're all going to die, we're all going to die, what, what would I think? We're all going to die, right? If I'm around others that said, you know what, we're going to thrive. These are some ways we're going to thrive. How about we do this so that we can help the community? Um, Let's do this so we can help. Then your mindset is different. It's just like they said that the skier, right? What are you saying? Oh, there goes a tree. There goes a tree. Or stay on the path. Stay on the path. Stay on the path. It's the same mindset. So that's plus... um, Enriching my mind because during that time, the physical things, you can do some physical activities in your house, but physical activities outside of the house weren't happening. But enriching your mind, enriching your community, that is how I did it. And then I realized that putting myself into routines that were important, that enriched my spirits. Okay, now I see. So when I get up, no, I'm not going to jump on social media immediately. 
No, I'm not going to read my emails immediately. No, I'm going to do what allows me to enrich myself. So my spirituality, my meditation, my mindfulness, my gratitude, that's my how my day is starting. When I did that, everything bounced off. When I went into work, I went into work with a positive attitude. I went into the work um, knowing how effective I was going to be and uh, majority of the time able to handle it all. And I mean, that situation really too was uh, was a true litmus test of whether or not the self-care routine that you had developed for yourself was going to work, was going to be effective. Absolutely. Um, and as we've seen, it's highly effective, even in one of the most arguably austere social pressure situations that we've seen in the last decade. Yes. And, you know, one of the challenge with this particular pandemic is that no one is alive from the prior pandemic to tell us what to do. <laughs> and emergency medicine wasn't even a specialty at that time. So we learned and you know, we had to learn on the job, but then you also had to keep yourself sane. And once I recognized this, I said, wow, this is something that I can help others with. Because now we are at a point where around 20 to 20, between 23 and 28% of the world are now more anxious than they were prior to the pandemic. So the anxiety level has gone up. Um, work stressors are going up. I saw the effect of the work stressors, which is why, you know, I wanted to reach out to talk um, to you on this podcast. You know, I see the effect of it when people, my colleagues, and now others who were suffering, you know, the increase on the um, abuse, a lot of abuse, um, occurred during, unfortunately, to all sectors, to kids, to yeah. like, you know, intimate relationship, um, intimacy, partner violence, because a lot of people do not know positive ways to handle stress. Now we're at a time when we're talking about workplace issues, we are a time now where a lot of layoffs are happening, Yeah, you know? So we now have two sectors of the society who are dealing with stress. We have those who were laid off who are dealing with stress. And then we have those who are left who are dealing with stress, right? So you're left, you're wondering, am I next? Yep, absolutely. Well, and, and then, and then mm -hmm. there's this additional stressor too of companies trying to stay profitable, stay in business, exactly. keep revenue so, going, things like this. And they are leaning even harder into kind of what I've dubbed this industrial revolution mindset of leadership and team development, mm -hmm. where they're overemphasizing the revenue and the profits and the processes and what's good for the company and completely ignoring or removing the humanity of all the people that make those things possible. And it leads to these these very stressful, um, anxiety-filled, in some cases, toxic environments mm -hmm. that have spurred things like the great resignation and quiet quitting and, mm -hmm. and all of these things as people are starting to realize like, hey, like I don't have to endure this right. kind of treatment. I don't have to endure this kind of dehumanizing abuse and, and at the very least neglect and, and being ignored and stuff at work. 
absolutely they deserve better absolutely and you know one of the other challenge that is going those who were left the work is still spread out about them because like you said this profit profit driven so i have 50 percent of the people but i still need that profit so with those 50 percent those are the ones who are left right so they're now having to work harder but are you have you equipped them with the skill set you know have yeah. you equipped them with the skill set to handle what's going on. And that's why I am so adamant about what I'm doing and says that, you know, let's equip those who are within the organizations. And it's not just, I mean, the leaders have coaches, but what about the middle person and those who are non-leadership position? Let's equip them with the skill set to handle the stress, to reduce the burnout so that you can still have the productivity. It's important. I've seen as an ER doctor, I see the repercussions when this doesn't happen. I see the person who stressed out at work, lost their job, started um, to abuse substances, such as yeah. like alcohol or so, lost their relationship. This person was no, you know, was engaged to be married, lost that relationship, moving in with family. Family just so happened to hear this person one day when they were drunk, just so happened to hear them say, you know what, it's not worth it. I'm going to go out and buy a gun. And they caught them and brought them to the ER. Yeah. The uh, vision for my company, for my brand um, at its core is to end workplace related suicide. And it's Absolutely. it's something that I'm, I'm extremely passionate about. And the mission that we have that, 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 puts us on a trajectory to accomplish this vision really is I'm not focusing on the symptoms, which mm -hmm. is extremely important for people to have the resources available for them. I'm, I'm absolutely thankful that there's organizations, there's resources, that there's people out there and things that, that can be there when people are in that moment and they need them. But people are going to come back to that moment. They're going to keep coming back there because of the environment that they're in. And that's mm -hmm. really the mission of my company is to empower other leaders with the knowledge and the tools that they need to transition from stressful, anxious, toxic environments that they sometimes may not realize are toxic mm -hmm. into supportive life-giving environments. Absolutely. Because as I often say, every organism either thrives or dies in response to its environment. Mm -hmm. So really getting down to the root cause of what creates the stress and the anxiety and the personnel churn and the burnout is really the environment that people are being subjected to. And if you can change that, now they begin to flourish. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's more symbiotic than it is a, a relationship where, like you said, it's one kill or be killed relationship. Let, why don't we do the symbiotic where we're both thriving? Absolutely. So I've got to ask, since you specialize really in helping people work through burnout and things like this, mm -hmm. as you've been working with companies for a while now and, and really getting elbows deep into the work of this, what are some of the most common challenges and issues that you've seen um, in all the people that you've interacted with and the companies you've interacted with? And what lessons can we learn? What tools can we take from that and put in our toolbox as leaders Mm -hmm. to be able to either identify or to address those things if we see them in our organizations? Okay, great question. So one is the power of the simple. You know, a lot of the changes, it doesn't require a huge change in your um, attitude or or a huge change in the, the, the 
flow of the workplace, I should say, not just the the attitude is important, but it's just small changes. So we've um, touched upon one of that, which is like a two touch system, which is like, you know, just asking and then getting into it. Some of the challenges that occur is that the mind is stuck in this is how we do it. This is how we've always done it. We are fine. So why do we need this? Right yeah. now? You might be fine, but have you done the litmus test on the group to find out how they're doing? As a leader, as we know within um, organizations or within situations overall, those who are feeling oppressed are less likely to say anything for a while. So it's up to you to pull it out and to provide this for them, provide the skill set. The data is there up to 58 or so percent of people so that they want to talk about this at work. They want to learn these skills. They feel as if learning these skill set on how to manage stress, reduce burnout will make them more productive. It'll help them dealing with challenging situations and it will build resilience. Now they want this information so it's up to you to provide it. Workshops are a great ways to do that. Lunch and learn workshops. It you know, once a week, once every quarter, or just just have it on an ongoing basis so that people can implement and they can see the benefits from it. Though the challenge is for the leaders to recognize that this is something that their team wants because. It's not until the team gets to the point where they're breaking down that now we're at a point where it's a little bit, not too late, but it's a lot harder to get them forward. So once you provide these skill set for them, then the team works with it. Um, some um, leaders are um, of the mindset that, well, you know, I have a millennial team and they're a little bit different. Um, some of our millennials, they're more open to some of these newer concepts such as mindfulness. Mindfulness is, you know, your awareness of being in this space and time and being present for what we're going through right now. So you're not worrying about the past. You're not worrying about what you're doing in the future. You're enjoying the moment right now. Some of our older generation, eh, what you're talking about? <laughs> the younger generation are a little bit yeah. more open to it. And very much so with the the entering generation, the, the very youngest generation entering the workforce, mm-hmm. um, they're very open to, to collaboration and to open communication yes. and to really these open-minded concepts of, hey, how can we create an actual symbiotic ecosystem at work Mm -hmm. it benefits everyone and the society around us they have this really social conscious approach to work where it's like hey i want to work somewhere that's not just making money Mm -hmm. provide me with a paycheck and some benefits but i want to work somewhere that's like actually doing good in the world in some yes. way that's that we can articulate absolutely and that's the challenge with because those who are in charge in most of the organizations are of a different generation Indeed. <laughs> so just just being mindful of the newer generation, their um their mindset, what they want out of life, it's different. They are willing to take in a pay cut in order to live a life that's more meaningful. So you have to recognize. So you have to recognize that throwing money at this generation, at that generation to work harder, it's not the answer. Providing resources so that they can live the life that they love and that is a life that's impactful, which is more meaningful to them, 
that's what they want so it's 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 really a a mind you have to be um change your mindset as to what um you believe is going to move your team forward absolutely i completely agree with you um, I recently read a study, don't recall the source right off the top of my head, but uh, something to the effect of roughly three quarters of the people that they had polled said that mm-hmm. they would be willing to take a pay cut if the company provided more training and resources and opportunities for them to grow and develop professionally. And then people said they would also be willing, roughly about the same amount of people said they would be willing to leave their current job and go work somewhere else for less money Mm -hmm. if it meant that they were doing work that was more impactful and they felt like they were more appreciated there. Absolutely. Yep. The studies are out there. Like for for appreciation, like 68% of the people they're upset that they, you know, that's one of the top reasons why people are leaving up to 68%. I remember in one study that, um, because they don't feel appreciated at their current job. So, you know, they're willing to leave. Well, then that brings us full circle back again to one of the things you mentioned at the beginning of the episode of that, that two touch point system of, of actually engaging people. Um, Mm -hmm. Something I've said before is that great leadership is intrusive by nature, not rude to the extent, but intrusive in the sense that like, Hey, I'm going to intentionally and proactively insert myself into your life because Mm -hmm. I care about you and I want to make sure that you feel that I am accessible to you and I want to develop a real connection, a real relationship with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, once that relationship is formed, that bond to work together for the common goal, it's there. It's there. And um, it will be a little bit harder to break that bond. <laughs> no, I, I've seen that firsthand. My dad owns an executive uh retained search firm and mm-hmm. over and over and over went through the course of his work over the last like, I don't know, 10, 15 years, they've seen people who have been offered literally double, sometimes triple what they're currently being, what they're currently being offered in terms of compensation at their current company. Mm-hmm. And they've turned it down. Mm-hmm. And it's like, the question is like, why? Well, because I'm happy where I work. I feel yeah. fulfilled. I feel connected. Um, I trust the people I work with. I don't know the people at this other job that's going to pay me three times more. Mm -hmm. So to me, the money's not worth it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, in essence, and there was a, I think the generation, like the ones that are, that are, like we said, the one that enter and more and enter in the workforce that are impact um, uh, mind the generation. And then you have those who are a little bit more um, that I'd say maybe, I don't know if what it's not, it's definitely not the millennial. <laughs> I mean, but like Jen, um, I guess the, Gen X or so. The Gen I think, yeah, the Gen Xers were at a point where their mindset is just so different. I think that they saw um, the generation, their parents' generation, um, and got disappointed in um, what um, happened to their um, parents during the time when it's closer to their retirement. You know, so that mindset from that generation is like, I'm going to go and I'm going to make it and I don't care. And and there's no loyalty to this because they weren't loyal to my parents. So why would I be loyal? While the newer generation coming up, they're like, well, I want a lifestyle that I enjoy <laughs> because I wanted to make sure that I'm having an impact. So there's a different mindset with each of our generation is based on the looking at the ones before us, when you're, you know, how is was your life impacted by the the events that occurred in your household, in your parents' house? You know, what were the impact 
so the difference in in the reaction to how you're working and your not your work ethic but just how you look at your job it changes so there's so many it's so multifactorial but at the end we need to keep in mind that people are individuals and the way that you can find out how that individual can best um, support the organization is for you to figure out how you can best support that individual. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. It's really all about that people first approach to leadership and team development. Mm-hmm. As we're wrapping up today's episode, I would love to know what is your number one piece of advice looking back on the landscape of all of your experience and your expertise and all the things that you're doing currently. Mm-hmm. If you were going to mentor a leader and mm-hmm. say, here, here's my top piece of advice and here's how you implement it with your team, whether mm-hmm. it's a new team or you're re-engaging a team that you've gotten disconnected with, what would be the one piece of advice that you would give to a leader and, and how could they implement that with their team? Okay. So as a leader, they're watching you. So the best thing is to implement these within yourself and then show the team how you're using that to help. And then then you can implement it within the team. So if you are um, a leader where you're yelling, you're angry, you're throwing things, you cannot expect to have a team that's not afraid to come to you, bring advice, bring new ideas. Why would I bring new ideas to you? You're throwing tantrums uh, every two to three days. So if you want a team that um, feels comfortable bringing ideas, then you have to work on self. So work on how you approach your own stressors. How are you investing in um, managing these stressors? What are techniques that you're finding that are helpful? And then you bring that to the team to handle their stressors. So really starting with that self-care and, and, you know, as Shakespeare said to thine own self, be true, right? That self-awareness and being transparent with your team about it, being transparent about your strengths, your weaknesses, and what you're doing to help yourself be better every day and really facilitating that environment of trust where people, people can see, Hey, you know what? He doesn't have it all figured out or she doesn't have it all figured out, but they're actively taking steps to manage these stressors, to manage these things in their life. And they're encouraging us to do the same thing. They're modeling what that's exactly what it is. Looks like. And you know, the the other thing we talked about, the data on um those building and um the members of the organization on self de- on development, the next one that has people leave in organization is a lack of transparency. So you don't have to be perfect, which is what the mindset of I'm a leader, so I have to be perfect. If I'm not perfect, then others won't follow. No, as a leader, you just need to be able to make decisions. That's what allows people to follow, to make decisions, but you don't have to be perfect. If your decision that you made at that time, you're like, hey, this is the decision we're making based on the data we have now. If the decision didn't end up in the with the result you wanted, the team... Based on the decision, we made the decision based on the data we have. Unfortunately, the results weren't that way, you know, but you as a leader, you just need to be able to make decisions. It doesn't mean that you need to yell or be, you need to be able to make decisions. Will it be stressful? Absolutely. How do you handle that stress? As you mentioned, to thine own self be true, work on your self-care, work on these skill set, and be transparent with your team and show them how ways or provide tools for them to do the same. One of the other podcasts that I listen to is a podcast by a pastor named 
Craig Groeschel, and mm-hmm. he's got a lot of really amazing stuff. I resonate with a lot of his content because he thinks about things in a very similar way to me. And uh, one of the things that he always says as he closes off every episode, um, it's actually in the signature line of my email right now, because I love to put quotes in my emails. Um, it's He says, people would rather follow a leader who is always real than one who's always right. And I think that really kind of sums up kind of what we've been talking about here. Mm-hmm. It's really about that authenticity and transparency. Absolutely. And people realize that you're human. You will make mistakes, mm-hmm. but they trust you to have their best interests at heart. Absolutely. That's a true leader. I Dr. agree 100%. <laughs> Dr. Beckford, it has been such an honor and privilege to have you on the podcast today. For our listeners who love what you have to say or intrigued to know more about what you do and all the other amazing things that you have going on to add value to their life, what -hmm. is the best way for them to get in touch with you? So they can get in contact with me through my website, which is yourcaringdocs.com. That's U-R-C-A-R-I-N-G-D-O-C-S.com. If you're a leader there, I I put together masterclasses pretty often. So you'd usually be able to find that at yourcaringdocs.com slash masterclass um, at the airing or the recording of this particular one. I have a masterclass coming up in February um, the 23rd, but I'll also have additional masterclasses in the next few months. And if you are on LinkedIn, you can get in contact with me at Tamar Beckford, um, MD, if you look up Tamar Beckford, you'll probably find me. I, I host um, and put a lot of my information about um, stress and reduction and burnout prevention on LinkedIn. So I'll be happy if you want to connect with me there or send me a message. I'll be happy to connect with you. And we will definitely put the links to all of these things in the full show notes. So listeners, be sure to grab a copy of the show notes from the description link for this episode. Lots of additional content in there and the links that Dr. Beckford talked about. Once again, thank you so much for joining us today. It was such a privilege and such a good conversation with you, Dr. Beckford. Thank you for having me. All right, everybody, let's talk key takeaways from this conversation, this podcast episode. First, embrace dynamic mindsets and teamwork. To implement adaptability in your small business, assess the skill sets of your team members, identify areas for cross-training, and create a development plan. Encourage your employees to attend workshops or online courses to expand their skills. Foster a collaborative environment by setting up regular brainstorming sessions or team-building activities where employees can share ideas and best practices and learn from each other. Next, we'll forge trust and connection with team members. Establish regular one-on-one meetings with your team members, incorporating the two-touch point system that Dr. Beckford mentioned to discuss both personal and professional matters. This can be done formally or informally with casual two-touch point conversations occurring anytime the opportunity arises. Encourage open communication by setting up anonymous suggestion boxes or feedback channels. Celebrate achievements through team meetings and emphasize positive character traits of your employees. Next, we want to cultivate resilience and positive mindsets. Lead a workshop or bring in a guest speaker to discuss strategies for fostering resilience and positive mindsets. Encourage team members to create daily routines, including self-improvement activities and stress relief techniques. Share your own experiences and methods for maintaining a positive mindset with your team. Model it for them. Empower team members' growth and development. Create a comprehensive professional development plan for each member incorporating their career goals and skill development needs. Even better, allocate a budget for workshops, courses, conferences, and encourage employees to take advantage of these opportunities. Establish a mentorship program within your business, pairing experienced employees with those seeking guidance and support. Next, Prioritize effective communication and open feedback loops. Establish open channels of communication within your team, promoting a culture 
where employees feel comfortable sharing ideas, concerns, and feedback. Implement strategic team meetings to discuss ongoing projects, challenges, and successes. Encourage active listening and value the perspectives and input of all team members. The way you treat their feedback and communication loops, especially during times of stress, will set the stage for innovation and long-term success. Implement stress management and burnout prevention strategies. Offer workshops and training sessions on stress management and burnout prevention, focusing on practical techniques and coping mechanisms. Encourage team members to take regular breaks throughout the day and promote a healthy work-life balance. The science supports this. Implement flexible work schedules or remote work options if possible, allowing employees to find the balance that best works for them, and they will do the best work for your company. And then finally, lead with transparency, authenticity, and consistency. Show your commitment to leadership by consistently displaying transparency, authenticity, and accountability. Accountability is a two-way street, so make yourselves available to your team members to be accountable to them. Share your successes and failures openly demonstrating that learning and growth are ongoing processes that you too as a leader are actively engaged in. Be available to your team, offering support and guidance when needed, and maintain an open door policy that encourages honest communication. By implementing these strategies and focusing on the practical applications, you can create a positive work environment that fosters motivation, engagement, and success for your business. Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. If you resonate with this podcast, be sure and subscribe so you don't miss any of the future episodes we're going to be putting out. Also, I would personally appreciate it if you take a minute to rate and review this podcast so that other people who would enjoy this content can find it more easily. Also, if you know someone who would like this episode, be sure and share it with them and encourage them to come check out what we're doing over here. You can use the link in the episode description to connect with me on social media. And if you haven't already, go grab a copy of my newest best-selling book, The Antidote. It will absolutely transform the way you think about leadership and developing teams. Until next time, remember, everyone deserves exceptional leadership and you can be that leader.